Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Ilaria. And I'm Daphne. And today we are talking with Sarah Haynes, who is amazing because she is so open and real. And, you know, that I feel like that's something that is becoming more and more common where people are feeling, you know, empowered to step forward and not being so embarrassed about different struggles that we go through. You know, she opens up about her postpartum and she um, opens up about her feelings of guilt with her children and how she is coping with that. I love that she's gone on to now have two more children Mm -hmm. than her first. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, she's just a really great role model. Um, And she, you know, so you're going to you're going to laugh. You're going to cry. Um, you're going to say, hmm, during this. I mean, there's a lot of different. We get a little kooky. But um, but no, I, I think you're I think you're going to really, really, really enjoy this one. This is a real conversation between moms. I think we we go really deep on on some of the parts of, of motherhood that can be most challenging. We want to be unfiltered. We, we want to be unfiltered. We want to be supportive of each other. And I think we also talk about some of the most fun parts. Um, and it's just raw and funny and real and I think you guys are going to get a real kick out of hearing Sarah and her um, wise take and and authentic take on motherhood. Yes. Silly mommy. Um, will you introduce yourself, please? Yes, I am Sarah Haynes from Strahan and Sarah on ABC at one PM. And where where can we where can we follow you? How many kids do you have? Do you have the whole the whole, oh the whole shabam the whole shabam. I was doing like so short. Okay, one my Instagram and Twitter are not as interesting as Alaria's, but <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm gonna make me blush today. You control but me if you want. I start <laughs> taking her clothes off and I doing welcome... push ups in a thong. I welcome the 14 percent that um, Alaria has <laughs> to my sexy Insta. Uh, just I'm just my name at Sarah Haynes. I have um, Alec who's three years old, not named after Ilaria's husband, Um, Sandra, who turned one in December. And then I have this little one who I know is a little boy, but we don't have a name yet. And uh, he is due July 3rd. And Ilaria just told me that I could go late on my third. Thanks. Anything is possible. Thank you as you set me off into the night. (laughs) But it's going to be great. It's going to be great. (laughs) What is wake up time for you right now? About five okay it's not awful i, I mean, mean that's, that's it's, it's not nice but it's not awful no but alec is uh, by the way this is funny that it's my kid's name is alec but <laughs> oh, um, really? so it's he's named after uh, my husband's dad who's russian is alec and so they Amer- we americanized it to yeah. alec but the only alec people know is alec baldwin so they're always like do you name your kid after alec baldwin I was like we yeah love we did alec we did we're huge fans <laughs> do you know how many people fans. come up to us and they say that they named their son after him well or then it's dog. not a weird well, or, or dog or the dog the son or the dog it's always you named him after the bald one. I was course. like, 30 Rock is like one of the best shows. Yeah, I mean, that's what I did. Um, but he has been, I've been practicing the real words, you know, like this mm-hmm. is your penis and this mm-hmm. is. And he says like two days after that, he looks down, he goes, Mama, are those my peanuts? And I was like, oh, <laughs> sweetie, they are. I thought, let's stick with peanuts. peanuts I tried so cute. hard to be real and I came back to peanuts. <laughs> so wait, how old are your kids? Three and one. 
Alec just turned three. Sandra turned one in December. And then this was, so it's like uh, 22 months apart. And then this will be about 18 months apart. Yeah. So you're on our schedule. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Thanks for influencing me. I follow both of you. <laughs> I think I synced up with you on my ovulation. Yeah, you th- think that we were good <laughs> Distance birth control. Yes. Oh my gosh, we are not the people to follow if you want birth control. Carla that's for told sure. me recently, she goes, you know Daphne wants seven. Or she used to say, I go, she's going for seven. I was like, that hurt a little. I'm not even halfway there. You know what? But you'll they, find so, that three, two to three is not that bad. One to two is bad. Oh, good. So I yeah, you're, you're, on, you're, you're over done. the hump. You're great. Oh, you're over the hump. This Finally, is be one a thing cinch. I've nailed. No, you've nailed it. You're <laughs> over the hump. Yeah, no. Uh, conveniently, Carla and Mike, they all every time I get pregnant, they're like, "Great, halfway up the hill. Great." It's like you're in the damn marathon, and they're they're reminding you that the game is just. not Would even you still have yet. seven? Uh, I go back and forth. It's a tough. It's a tough cookie to crack when you're already pregnant like i don't know that I, we're you know, just talking about times. that at lunch we're like the you know it's hard to imagine when you're when the space is occupied it's hard to think about the next one because there's like I, no vacancy right there's now. no vacancy the, the the motel is is full right now but i do think that and then i then i every time i'm like maybe four sounds good maybe whatever i meet a family with five or i meet a family with six and we spend a lot of time in Florida now, and I do feel it's a little bit like the fishbowl situation where the bigger the bowl gets, the you grow into your space kind of. Where in New York, people looked at me like I had three heads with two kids. You know, it was yeah. Um, and now being in Florida, I feel like my my register of what's normal is is expanding a little bit. So I don't know. I got a shot for smaller houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so is it you or your husband who's pushing for all these babies? Well, well I always thought I'm one of four, and mm-hmm. I. I now you're one of four, Daphne, I'm one of four. and you're one of two. Okay, because we're uh, to me a lot of when you plan in your mind, which is so funny, what your family's gonna look yeah. like. Uh, I always gauge it on where you come from, like what you liked. So I always thought four, four, four. And every year I got older and didn't meet a husband or, or even a sperm donor. I was like, <laughs> I I need Maybe to really three. these eggs are aging with me. So as I looked at that, the number started creeping down. Mm-hmm. Two boys felt too small because I, not that that's not a beautiful, perfect family for some, but siblings were the best part of my life. Amazing. So I feel like I wanted to give each of them a couple to pick from in case they're hating on one one day. They needed these they, two they siblings. Can te- they can team up. They now. can team up. Oh, you want a Lord of the Fly situation <laughs> yeah, happening in the household? Yeah, we know they're going to pack. I'm all about dogs. So I was like, this is going to happen. So four, I, I think the problem is I don't think I'll be my best self for four. So three was the number Max always wanted. Three was better. Like I needed more than two, but four sounded like a lot. So I'm always like, I think three is what I can handle. Yeah. You know what, though? I feel like I never planned for four. Although the fourth one was the only one that we tried for. But it was like, I wait, never. Wait, 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 okay. what? Yeah. You you tried for the fourth one? Yeah. I was like, what has happened? We never, we've never tried before. What happens when you try? Want to know what happens? You nail it. You get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> same thing as when Alec and Alaria don't try. I was going to say, you know what happens? The same thing. <laughs> Weird. It's, so it's still so fun, though. So we just do it. I yes. also thought, um, because I have a girl and now I have three boys, but I had a girl, then I had two boys. And I was like, so naturally, I have a girl right, again because that's my pattern. Yes. Girl, boy, boy. Boy, girl, right? Right. No. This no, isn't mastermind. You don't get to pick the order of the exactly. bags. <laughs> but it does. It's weird how you're, it is totally true how what you grow up with colors, what you, and it can go, both, can go both ways. You can either need to have a giant family like what we grew up with, or you can be like, that was kind of nuts. We're going to yeah. shrink this baby down. I, I, 
for me, it was always holidays. It was this idea that gathering the family around the table. First of all, I don't know how to cook for less than 20 people. Fewer, <laughs> fewer grandmother, English major grandmother, fewer than 20 people. Um, but I also uh, I, I just that, that like celebratory moment of just getting that many mouths and that many friends and crazy people in the conversations and the party that always happens and flows from there um, was always really, really important to me. But I do think that it's it's interesting. You said, I don't know that I'll be my best self for a fourth because let's face it, Sarah Haynes has an enormously full plate. And I think it's really um, responsible to think about like, how can I make t- how 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 can I make time in this life for the things that I need to do and the things that I love to do and make sure that I still have plenty of time left, the p- plenty of me left over for my family and for myself. I think those are like oftentimes, you know, we just cram it in because you have to kind of the situation. And I think it's really thoughtful to be to just consider that for a second. Thank you. I, I've dealt with anxiety <clears throat> and depression over time. So I think I look at my mom sometimes and I think she tried to work. She was a nurse. I don't remember the years she worked and didn't work. But I look back and I think she yelled a lot. Like, And I think if she could go back, she might have found she was spread pretty thin. Yeah. Her and my dad have a traditional relationship where my dad brought home the bacon. He was a loving father, but my mom did every lesson we went to. She worked extra to pay for those lessons. Wow. Like She wanted to make sure we had everything we could have. And she drove us to everything. It wasn't really as shared as, as it is. Like I know your husbands participate. Like My dad was more of that generation. Totally. He didn't do a lot of it. I'm not so sure that my husband falls in that category. <laughs> I don't He's actually know school. Alex, so I just grouped him in by like... <laughs> I know, I love that. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll like that too. I would like to know that when was for he you, feeds, Alex. bathes, changes, never. But I mean, I feel like there's that, there is a mentality to that. I had a little postpartum after my first. So Max had to like, like sink or swim. Yeah. Like our child needed him because mommy wasn't there. So Max not only came in thinking, I really can't wait to be a dad, because he was closer with his dad than his mom, mm. but he had to. And so I think the division of labor, labor is super, we, we have strengths in different lanes. Mm-hmm. So he's great. But um, I, don't, I just think if I had more and wanted a career, and I don't, I don't remember my mom sitting down with me and asking me along the way how I felt about things. Like, they kept me fed and clothed. I want to know my kids, and I, th- I know where my limits are, and I don't want to be screaming when I'm mad. Like, I want to know my kind of boundaries. I want to be spread within that. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, as Daphne said, that's responsible. And it's more, probably one of the things that your that your children will look back as they get older and really appreciate about you. Now, because you had such an intense experience the first time around, was it scary to think about having another child? And you had them very close together. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say the worst thing, the worst time in my life was right after Alec. Mm-hmm. I think that whole becoming a parent and thinking, I thought my whole life I wanted to do this, which I now realize might be the postpartum speaking. Right. But even when you reflect, you can't you can't remember it differently. So when I think of Alec, I think of a very dark time. And I just knew I didn't want an only child for no other reason than my favorite people are my siblings. So I knew I had to go back in. 
I also knew I was not a spring chicken, and uh, my husband is. So I I married younger. Good for you. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> one of us has to carry the youth vote. So did Daphne. Until... You married younger, too. Six like, months hey, younger. Bye. He put you up to that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Six months. Unbelievable. Max is like five and a half years. So I was like, you're the young one. Yeah. We got to. But we went back thinking I knew I wanted at least two. And if I wanted the option for three, we had to keep going. It's um, yeah. It's I. It, you had a very similar experience going going back to work pretty quickly after your first, as I did. I remember going back to the Chew after Philomena was born and feeling like I don't. <clears throat> I had what I don't. I never. You know, I didn't have it diagnosed, but I feel like I had anxiety after Nika, my third. But after the first two, I, I guess because honestly, it wasn't as discussed at the time. It just felt like, uh exhaustion hormones like craziness I felt totally out of my body but I don't remember it feeling as heightened and my awareness of it being like with Nika where I was just rationally I was like everything's great why am I so low why am I so tired why am I so upset why am I crying all the time like that was and I will just say one day of a huge dose of probiotics like rebooted my whole system like it, it's and that's a whole other story about how I think because I'd had a lot of antibiotics in the yeah. hospital when I was giving birth to her. And I think it just wiped out my gut flora. And we know so much of your mood and your health and your happiness starts in your gut. And I had this like huge, huge dose of um, probiotics. And all of a sudden it was like whoo, my whole mood changed. Right. Anyway, just a little tidbit for people who might find that helpful. Um, but I with with Philomena, I remember going back to the chew and feeling like I was supposed to be an ex or I was be happy and chipper and like cheery and bantering people and using knives and cooking with fire. And I was supposed to be an expert in being a mother. And I did not feel like a f expert. I yeah. felt crazy. Um, and I wonder what your experience was like dealing with the depression and dealing with it being your first and dealing with all of the chaos that comes with being a new mom and also going back to work in a very you know high pressure and public environment. What was that like for you? Well, almost every feeling people told me I'd feel it was the opposite. So I didn't feel like a mom. When mm -hmm. I had the baby, I, I thought you'd feel things. People say, your instinct will kick in. You'll know what to do. It's your baby. No one knows your baby like you. I'm like, this kid's f Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know him at all. I just met him. And I, people said, you're going to cry when you go back to work. I was thrilled when I went back to work. It was the first time I felt myself again because I actually felt more of an expert at work yeah. Yeah. than I ever did at home. And I remember dreading coming home from work because I'm, I had... I didn't feel the same connection to Alec as I definitely did to Sandra, which I now realize was part of the postpartum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I wanted to squeeze him and cuddle him, but then I was like, oh, we're stuck here again. Like, we're here and there's no sleep. And we're, you know, like, it's this dark hole that was so hopeless that I thought, this is the rest of our lives. Like, this is what parenting is. And it's not what I thought. And I was so caught on an answer of what I thought life was going to be that I never questioned why people wouldn't do it and I'm not good at this you can't turn back I'm also what are you going to do give the kid away yeah, like you, no, you can't right. yeah right. and I was like right. what I never had bad feelings towards him which was also a sign I was looking for with postpartum and because I never felt negative to him I didn't see it as postpartum mm -hmm. right 
And that's how, how it crept you, in. How did you seek help? How did you figure it out? Well, I, I told, I always, I had a little bit of dabbling in depression. The New York Times came out with an article right when I was pregnant with him. And Joy Behar, I remember one day, was coming on the set. And she's like, Sarah, did you see the New York Times article? That they're now starting to diagnose depression during pregnancy. People always focused postpartum. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Because anything with mental health, having been someone that's very open about therapy and medications. And like, I just, I'm all on board. I thought I was looking for certain things and then I like, you know, uh, wanting to hurt the child, not feeling connected. I still love, I mean, he was such a little squish squish. Like that was automatic. I wanted to kiss him and smell him. And so those are normal feelings. I felt so, uh, the best thing is it felt like a black hole. Every interaction with humans, I felt like I was in an echo chamber where I remember crying on the way to the first appointment and I said, Max, nothing looks the same. Like, I have my dog. I have you. I have this baby. My parents are here. I can't find familiar. I don't know what it looks like anymore. And he was like, you're fine. You're fine. Like, this has got to be hormones. And that feeling didn't dip. It just stayed there. And I was like, I want out. Like, I need to leave. I'm taking Trixie. Like, I knew I, I was really good dog mama. I was like, <laughs> Tracy and I are leaving, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but I can't be here, and I can't tell people. I don't want the public to know I'm abandoning my family, but I'm going to leave you, and I'm leaving with the dog. And he was like, calm down. And I was like, Max, I don't know what else to do. Like, I can't be here. And it was like every day fighting, I have to leave. Like, um, but leave to do what? To like to find get out. center again or just to like... No, go. Like anything away from this very dark place that felt like it was never going to end. And I was like, I I don't, I want the kid to be all right. I want you to be all right. I love you. It's not about our marriage. I didn't know this is what it felt like and I can't do this. Like this is awful. Nothing felt good. And everyone's trying to talk to you and stuff. And I just remember literally feeling like in the movies where those scenes happen where they you can hear like an echo people are talking to you muffled muffled you're just looking around and nothing you don't like anything around you nothing looks like you remember it and the only time I felt good was at work and I thought that can't be normal like everyone said the first day you leave get ready you'll cry when you leave the baby I couldn't have gotten out that door fast enough because I just needed familiar yeah I needed something that reminded me of Sarah not this mom title that was so massive I hadn't earned it not you know uh being in the house and breastfeeding which I was struggling with none of that I just needed to get out and that feeling was so um omnipresent it was like 24 7 and I'd sit at night breastfeeding and just cry and I just sit there and I'd google you know like what do you do if you make a mistake and you have a baby like I was the the Google history gave me away it was like everything dark and deep well because you're alone and it's the middle of the night or early morning and you do you go to a dark you go you just go and you're in your worst cycle of what are what is all of this saying about me and about my future as a mother how did how did Max cope with that and how was he able to help you out of it because I I definitely uh, just relied much more than I thought I would on John as my like live in therapist for months after I had our first and just feeling like every night he'd have to come home and just get me out of whatever rut I'd sunken myself into that that night about worrying and you worry about in retrospect you worry about things that are 
either unimportant or not nearly as important as you thought they were. Um, And a lot of it for me had to do with expectations around what I thought motherhood was going to look like or what I thought my experience motherhood would be that had no bearing on reality. I talk, I feel like before you become a parent, motherhood is about you. And then you become a parent and motherhood becomes about the kid. And that forces you to have a real shift of reference and a real shift of practice. Like it has, you know, again, like you said, you had friends who, because it's the nice thing to say. And because for a lot of people, it's the true thing to say the first, you know, the first day you leave, you'll cry and every minute is bliss and it goes so fast. And these are true things that you now probably tell new moms because it's what we remember about that phase. But, um, but I feel like it set me up for some really, reality was very different from what I'd been told to expect. Um, And I was, I'm always really in awe of how my husband figured out how to help draw me out of that because depression is such a weird, tricky, oftentimes chemical, but, but very deeply emotionally rooted thing. That's hard to have someone help you with. So I'm always curious to like, what was most helpful that he was able to do for you? Well, he met me in our relationship. I had always struggled a bit with anxiety and going to therapists and at at different times had been on medications to help me with that. So Max was already sensitive, but I think he saw the flare up that I wasn't quite identifying as depression. I like, although I'd always thought I was so educated in mental health and all know it because I know what to look for. And this caught both of us off guard because it was more like I was a, an imposter in a, in a life that I didn't want anymore. But the day it really hit me uh, and Max knew something was wrong. He didn't know what to do at first. So he just kind of was like, tell me what you need. Just tell me what you need and I'll do it. But I remember I was breastfeeding Alec and my dog Trixie came in. And I was very close with my dogs. One passed right before Alec and one passed right after Sandra. So I mm. lost. They were 15 and 16 years old. So I'm sitting there breastfeeding Alec and and uh, Trixie walks in and she's a fully trained dog, never has accidents. And she just pees on the white carpet that we had in Alec's room. And I in that moment, it like and this is where the anxiety came in. It almost flared as like an OCD. I like took Alec off of me and like he was days old, like little. And I set him on the ground. And Max had heard me like I had said, I need help. And he comes in and the baby's on the floor and I'm scrubbing the pee and I and I could see the juxtaposition of I was really off on my priorities but I had to like release the nipple like I'm tearing my child off my breath and I'm scrubbing and I I'm so stressed about the dog and is she okay and what's happening with the pee and Max is like what are you doing what are you doing and like we both saw the crazy in the moment like this was not right but I couldn't stop it and I said something's wrong like you got to help me and that was like the pinnacle moment where he's like who do we call what do we do I was like I don't embarrassed I'm not calling anyone he's like you got to do something now you cannot be breaking a breastfeeding session to go like clean up your chihuahua's pee and I was like it seemed really important at the moment (laughs) but you you know what that's that's amazing because and it's probably because you had such a history with this and you know sought help and realized that it's okay to seek help that so many people don't get that sign yeah they don't see that there's something wrong even i mean that's that's the moment when you have a problem you're already in such a better place once you can see that you have a problem yes and and then be willing to go and and seek help and it sounds like you have an amazing partner who's there to to do it with you and not just you know come in there and be like what are you doing and kind of yell at you about it yeah what did you do 
I've, I have two. I mean, there, I've got a million questions as, as I'm hearing you as I'm hearing you speak. But two things that I'm really, really interested in is what's your advice to people who are experiencing the same thing? Because it is so, so common. And, and you know, people are speaking about it more and more. And, you know, we, we talked about how. You know, we feel like it's very important to talk about these things that people are embarrassed to talk yeah. about. Um, so what's that? That's number one. And then I want to know, since you've now you're going on to having two more, what do you do differently to prevent that from happening? Because I know some of my friends who had postpartum, they're like, I'm just never doing it again. Yeah, we actually so we had a OK, first of all. The to make sure I get the meat of this question, you have to go see a medical professional, a therapist, uh, not a minister, not a family member, not a, your best friend. This is a medical condition and it needs medical oversight, which means you will feel better, by the way, telling a stranger, yeah. I want to leave my family. than you will. Trust me, the embarrassment comes with the personal connection. I had to go, I, I had had therapists before, but I specifically was seeing the OCD flare-up, which I had never been officially diagnosed with. It was more of a cute habit. My parents had always said, like, she hangs her hangers, like, an inch apart. Isn't it cute? She's so tidy. <laughs> and, you know, I never counted or did any you were washing. Marie Kondo before. I was so Marie Kondo <laughs> that they were like, it's veiled in so much perfection. Why touch it? So, um, but it flared up to a point I couldn't, I had to refold all of Alex's thing. I, I could see it happening. And I was yeah. like, I think this is OCD. So I went but to you're a, that, that makes sense because you're trying to put control back on a universe that feels totally yeah. out of sync with what you've ever known about yourself. Like it just I, I, I find it actually more amazing if you've never had any kind of postpartum depression or anxiety than that if you than if you've had it, because it just feels like you're sleep deprived, you're exhausted, your reality is completely changed. Someone is completely dependent on you. You are no longer an independent version. You're not even the same version of yourself that you were a day ago. Right. Like it just. Of course you should feel some sense of what the hell is going on here, you know? But then that's the problem, it seems. And you tell me what you think about this, that that seems to be the problem is that for people who do have that step more where it is, you know, postpartum, you, you can just blame it on all this other stuff that that and then that seems to be where it's dangerous. Yeah. Because then it goes misdiagnosed. For so long, so you're like, oh, I just had a baby. Oh, I'm just emotional. But it is such a dark, dark, dark place. I remember after I had um, Rafa, Rafa was born at 35 weeks, six days, and he was a solid six pounds, seven ounces, so he was fine in terms of that. But he was born with a cord around his neck, and it was like this very like dramatic thing. So he was in the NICU for a few days. Fortunately, I got to stay there with him because the idea of going home, and I'm sure any of you out there who have had to leave your baby in the NICU, I, I, I can't even imagine. Um... But, you know, they came into my room almost every hour and asked me how I was feeling. Do I want to hurt myself? Do I want to hurt my son? My son? And I didn't understand what they were doing. And I was very yeah. frustrated by it. I was like, what Quit is wrong me with you? Questions. I was like, of course I don't. And a woman said to me, she said, postpartum is very, very serious. And I would appreciate it if you take it seriously. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I said, I, I, I do. I, I, I feel okay. And then I, yeah, I changed yeah, yeah. it. And I realized that they were just checking in on me. Right. And I, but it's amazing that they were coming in and for somebody who is separated from their child that I guess that that's a marker of people behaving in different ways. Yeah. The other thing I, that I wanted to ask you is what do you do? So if you've had postpartum the first time you and you figured it out, it went it went diagnosed and you sought help and, and then you, you do, are you afraid to have another baby? Are you afraid to feel that way again? Well, I think it always hovers. But so for the... Uh, 
the second one, I, I got a lot of help after Alec. And that's the big thing is see someone. Don't be afraid of medications. If a doctor says this could take the edge off, this could help you. Everyone has different philosophies, so I'm not pushing something that doesn't work for everyone. But if by chance you're open to that and a doctor says you should, don't be afraid of that. I had thought when you got pregnant, you needed to be off everything. You shouldn't do anything. Like I came in with all the things I'd ever learned with the second one. I spoke with a doctor and said, you know, my doctor and said, that was rough. I don't want to go through that. And she said, we, we researched enough with what you're doing, taking now that you'll be able to be pregnant on this. And I would suggest you stay on it because the very minute risks of anything with a baby are so much less than the stress you cause your baby through hormones mm -hmm. when you are having when you're struggling. And that was a different choice I made for Sandra. So I was more open to you. Someone needs to help me. Because I don't know what I'm doing. So you tell me what you think. And then, of course, bounce it off Max. And and he was like, we'll do whatever we have to do. You you know, you have to be well first. And I actually loved it. Like, Sandra was a totally different experience. And interestingly, Alec, who's everyone says little boys love their mamas. Alec is a papa's boy. And there's lingering guilt three years later. Like, this is the thing. Postpartum isn't uh, a one-size-fits-all. And there is no outdate. So uh, I, I ran into Brooke Shields at the studio today and we had a conversation and I said, I thanked her because I said way before people talked about postpartum. Right. She wrote, you wrote about a book. It. Yes. And you were vocal. Now, one of the things that's hard to talk about is the shame you feel as a woman like we were. I'm, I'm being uh, sarcastic in case that doesn't come through the mic. <laughs> you know, we were built to do this. That's what we're for. Like you do it and it's natural and people have done it. All these sayings are pumped into our heads mm -hmm. every day of our lives. So when you're not normal, air quotes, you are ashamed and, and you in shame lives in silence. So you don't talk about it. I think it's something that people are becoming more aware and talking about, but Brooke Shields went through this in 2005, I think, or something. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about it, and we talked about the inner voice. And she said how much sense that voice makes. It's you in your head telling you, you know, you're the only one that is going through this. Never mention it because people are literally going to freak out about what you're saying. You know, like these thoughts are awful. And she was saying it's so funny how you talk yourself into silence. You talk yourself into doing nothing. And you literally feel alone. So just knowing that I, now every uh, first a college friend wrote me right before I had Alec, and I got I hadn't talked to her in like ten years, and she wrote me a couple paragraphs, and it was this kind of bleak email that said, "I don't know if you'll need this advice, but someone gave this to me, and I think it's our duty to keep passing it on to other moms." And it was this dark couple paragraphs about we all know that being a mom is joyful and it's a blessing and all this stuff. But what you may not know, and then it goes into two paragraphs about the isolation, the darkness, the not feeling like it's a glove that fits, the not knowing what to do, the hopeless, the helpless. And it kept going. And I wasn't shocked by the message because I had been through mm -hmm. depression before. Mm -hmm. But I thought, oh, wow, that could come in handy. I've never forgotten that. I pass. I, I continue to pass it to new moms. And when I meet strangers and I'm like, is this your first? When they say yes, I just give a couple sentences and I say, if when your baby comes, you feel like it's not what you thought it'd be and you feel super alone and it feels super dark, that's okay. 
you're I, I have come out of the other side of that dark cloud and it can be amazing just know you're not alone and I'm like and if you don't need that advice and it's blissful forget you ever met me <laughs> but just in case I feel the need to tell you that you're not alone because it's the the biggest thing is again even though I know I'm, I'm someone that's always felt very comfortable in my skin that there's always someone else going through something that was a very isolating feeling. It was probably the most alone I'd ever felt in my entire life. My sisters were better moms. My mom was a kick-ass mom. Every woman around me was just nailing it. Not because they pretended. They were just nailing it. I saw them in their ugly times. And they were still nailing it. So everyone was amazing. And I was broken. Well, I think it's interesting because I ha- I'm the oldest of four. And so I have two sisters who will uh, hopefully eventually have children of their own. And then my brother, who's our baby princeling. We're the, the same, by the way, three girls and a boy. Oh, isn't, uh, that's funny. Yeah. And that's what this order birth order will be. I, I will have three girls and a boy um, after this baby's born. And I think I think it's really funny. And my grandmother, who went on to have six, had three girls and a boy with her first four. So I think it's very it's very interesting. It's a it's a the, the family, the family schedule. Um, <laughs> but I'll be very curious to see what they are. Uh, what they're like as mothers. And I hope that, um, you know, I, I hope that they will have had an opportunity to see what my experience is like and have had and and hold on to more of it than I held on to watching my aunts be pregnant or other. I, w- I didn't have a lot of close girlfriends who'd had kids around the same time, same time that I did. The closest I, family member I'd had was an aunt who had, you know, a baby a couple of years before I had Philo. And, um, and I think because I didn't have a lot to compare it to, it felt more isolating and it felt more um, I was in, listening to you talk about the voice in your head that tells you to keep everything quiet. That was one of the exercises John and I would go through. Is he'd be like, OK, I just want you to say out loud what it is that you're worrying about or what it is that's like, what's the worst thing that you're thinking or like the deepest, darkest place that you're going and even just giving it oxygen, like putting it in some so someone else can hear it or putting it out in the universe lets you hear what you sound like from another person's perspective and it gives you such a head break just like because you do you get in this dark cycle it's worry I mean I have like I I talk about this all the time I feel like worry is just a prayer for the worst possible outcome and we are so there are many of us who are just so prone to worry about everything and anytime someone doesn't answer their phone it's because it's like they were in a horrible car accident like the whole you know (laughs) the whole thing but it was so interesting giving it that making it come to the surface giving it oxygen make it it is the opposite of fueling the fire it puts it out actually and it lets you get a grasp on it and I hope for my sister's that they that that I've been open enough with them about the fact that that all of the wonderful stuff and I, I don't want to I don't want to diminish that. I want to show them that, but show them that it comes with lots of struggle and lots of failure and lots of like, this is not what I thought was going to happen. Um, and it's you're a very self-deprecating person. And I have no doubt that your sisters are are going to listen to this and be like, no, Sarah has it so much better than we did. And she like is doing so many things better than we did because everyone does ultimately have their, their one little thing or their couple little things that they find harder than anything else. Um, but I, I, I that's why part of why I thought I think and continue to think mom brain is so valuable is because people don't you're right. It's harder to say these things to people who you're really close with. It's harder to talk about these things when they're so personal. It's nice to hear them, though. It's nice to feel like there is this community of people. And so many of these experiences are common um, and and universal in a way. I think that's why, you know, we are living in a very special time right now where these things are becoming more more present. I mean, we it, I, I don't know when this episode is going to air, but I just a few a few days ago I just said that I'm probably experiencing a miscarriage right now and and 
I had a feeling before being pregnant um, this time I said, you know what, if I ever get pregnant again, I'm just going to tell people right away because I hate being quiet about it. And I get very frustrated with having to change my wardrobe because my body changes right away because I have a million children. And that's like the first thing that all of a sudden your belly is like, OK, we're doing this again yep. before you can take a positive test. Um, and it just, you know, especially living at such a public life, everybody's always trying to search for the secrets. And it's really, really exhausting. Um, and and so I, you know, against what everybody basically except for my husband told me um i decided to be open about it and it's been an incredibly overwhelmingly positive response because so many people go through it and and just with postpartum how common it is and the more that we're quiet about these things and the more that we're embarrassed i'm not embarrassed i wrote that in my post i'm not embarrassed i don't have any shame about this it's not my fault Um, And so many times we think when these things happen to us, whether it's postpartum or loss or all this other stuff that that comes with being a parent, we think it's our fault and we suffer in silence and then we're not strong enough at home. Yeah. You know, we can go to work and we can be shiny. Yeah. We can go in, you know, on Instagram and po- and choose a choose a photo and, and, and make it seem really great. But, you know, then we go home, we close the door and it can be very, very dark. Well, I never answered your question, though, about your friends who have had postpartum that decide not to have kids. So, I again, I don't know when this will air either, but there was an article on BuzzFeed and it said uh, it was talking about when people knew they were done having kids. And, you know, a BuzzFeed roundup is usually hilarious and relatable, yes, you know, like, yes. and so I love a little roundup. I, <laughs> I checked out the thing and I read it was 19, I think I went through and I didn't feel the same um, hilarity that I had with most roundups. And I'm reading it and I'm like, why is this not that funny? And I realized about half of them kind of scream postpartum, probably unknowingly. Oh, interesting. And like Because the teenager who rounded them up didn't know what they were rounding up. Yeah. It was like a little morbid. It was like, let me know when I should laugh. Um, But huge applause. Like there was one that it was obvious. It starts out strong. There are two kids, a woman said, I was in the grocery store, I saw two kids in a shopping cart fighting over I'm not touching you. And I thought, not going back into that stage. That's funny. You know, another woman wrote, when my two twins I always wanted three, but when I had twins and they both decided they could reach inside their diaper and write on each other with poop, I realized (laughs) I'm out. But then it was like the next, I don't know how many would say, I came home and didn't feel like a mom should. And I didn't know what I was doing. So I decided not to. And all of a sudden I'm reading that and then I'm reading the next one and I'm reading the next one. And my heart just quivered out of a little bit of uh, like a trigger, but also a sadness for them Mm -hmm. that they were making decisions like maybe your friends based on a period where you're not rational, where you're not okay, and you're not well. That's like deciding whether you want to run a marathon while you have a broken foot. I'm not. Why would I go run a marathon with a broken foot? You can't make a clear decision. And I think that's the thing that jumped out at me is these people, the the deeper sadness was I came back. I jumped back in the ring. I had more fear of an only child, nothing against only children. You got siblings? Okay, thank God. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was judging. Cal um, nodded affirmatively. I thought Cal, Cal, Cal's Egyptian. He's like, you know. Cal's like, no, we have many. Um, so I, I, I was more scared of like the only child's thing as a one of many than I was of postpartum. And it was totally different. Every joy that people described, I felt with Sandra. And now Sandra's a mama's nugget. Like she is so up in my business. And, and Max always laughs that she's the anti-Alec. Alec runs to Papa for everything. And I do think there is a part of that that's the the price I pay for those early years when it, Max was all hands on deck 
you know, he was there. But Sandra is my little baby monkey that just wants to be with me all the time. And I don't feel bad that she doesn't reach for Papa. Because By the way, it might not be you. It might just be how Alec is hardwired. And like it really could or be. Or yeah. his phase, by the way. Or I his mean, phase, he's just, totally. He's what, three? Three. He's only three. I mean, my, there's, at three, I think also they go through a phase where they start understanding their gender. Yeah. A bit more. They're peanuts. They're peanuts. <laughs> You know, and it's they do go through phases. They go through phases. And, and, you know, I, I I hope, you know, I know we don't know each other that well, but I hope that, you know, you don't think that you have to do penance for it. I hope that you don't feel like you've done, you know, something that's irreparable. Irreparable. Yeah. Um, Well, Brooke says it was funny in the conversation. I said, I know that I I have to self-talk then like. Let it go. Like, you know, this is okay. And she said, Sarah, my kids are 15 and 13. And I still, with my first, sometimes go there. It's a lingering, you know. But our first gets our, our first, I think, gets our worst selves and our best selves, right? They get you at your most vulnerable, at your least experienced parenting is not. uh, My, my mother-in-law loves to say, doesn't come with a book of instructions. You are flying by the seat of your pants in a diaper looking for (laughs) looking for a way literally in a diaper in a diaper looking for how to make sense of the whole new world that you've been put into and at the same time they're the only ones who will ever have you alone they're the only ones who will ever have you at your most eager and like wanting to please and wanting to give them all of yourself and i think um you know, yeah, they're gonna. They're, there's all those studies that show that firstborns come out really well. So I think I've heard, I, Daphne, you know. you're a firstborn, right? Sure am. Sure am. Sure am. <laughs> Wait, Alario, are you the youngest or the, the oldest? Youngest. Okay, we're okay. super close. We're like a year and a half apart. And I'm the third girl oh, before the boy. Interesting. Wow. Okay, so you're the baby girl. I'm the baby girl. Yeah. And my parent and my mom, that Joe was an accident. They, it was a Baldwin. Like they had him like on top of each. Like my mom, I said the math isn't adding up for your breastfeeding. <laughs> and she was like, I swear we took every precaution. I'm like, I don't want to know. But um, <laughs> my brother is literally 14 months oh younger than me. Yep, those are my. That's a Baldwin those baby. Two, those are my two middle ones. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, when I found out I was pregnant with my third, when my son was six months old, I just sat down and cried and cried and cried. Uh, five minutes later, I was like, okay, great. We're I have good. to get to have another baby. But there was that moment of like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? But they turn out so nice. And then I look at Leo and I'm like, can you imagine the world with no Leo? We need to have him. He is well, once they have little faces and uh, you're yes. like, oh, I mean, look at my work. Yes. <laughs> look what I did. My work speaks for I created itself. fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Maui. That's the best um, part, though, of sharing the journey with a partner whoever that is, because I said, someone once said before you have kids, you'll look at your partner differently because the only other person that loves a human being as much as you, the only one that rivals you is your partner who also made them. It's very, you know, it's nepotism, it's narcissism, but we stare at our kids and we sit there and we're like, perfection. (laughs) Like they're not, they're not perfect kids. They're all kinds of crazy, but you look at them and you're like, that knows. I couldn't have drawn it better I if I had created perfect. it in a computer. Like, this is perfect. We just stare and we just kvitz. I don't even know if that's the right word. I'm not Jewish. But it's like a, we just like <laughs> dwell on boss. them and just drop love bombs on them. We're like, they're so great. <laughs> that, But that's important. You got, you got, and you know what? It's nice to have someone who 
sees only the glory like you see, you know, and I and, and also to laugh with. I feel like there are so many little moments oh, like shoot. that that are just yeah. freaking nuts. And to have someone who's like, oh, no, that's funny. That's some funny shit. I would have done that, too. Yes. <laughs> like, like, that's <laughs> like, <laughs> or to look at each other when it gets really wacky because we're in the heart of toddlerdom. And Alec, we don't know with him being our first because your oldest are Carmen's five, five, five also five. Yeah. OK, so you guys have seen the other side for us. We don't know where Alec ends and toddler begins. Mm-hmm. And so we look at him and we'll both be like, oh, I sure hope this is a passing phase. Oh, because three is hard. They'll tell you like little mean statements mm-hmm. like Alec doesn't want me to make noise when I taste his food. So he'll cook for me. He'll put it in my mouth. And your natural reaction is, mm. Mm, yeah, no, mama, no sounds. And so then he comes back and I he taste it again. Praise. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he clearly is a perfectionist. But then he'll give me food and I'll say, I'm like, what else do I say? I'm like. Thank you. I was hungry. No, those are sounds. Then he leaves again. Finally, he comes back and I just stare at him awkwardly and do nothing. And he goes, good mama. (laughs) No sounds. And I'm like, what a little (laughs) a-hole. He's like a little bossy brat. No, I think three so far has been the most difficult age for us. It's very, they're very, very difficult because it's not, they're not babies anymore in two. And so they say things that really cut you. I used to say, mommy, you don't like me. You don't love me. And you do not want to be my friend. Always, like it was like this like thing that she would just spew off whenever she was angry with Alec me. told me he was going to go find a new mama. Yep. I was yep. like, good luck. Yep. Your dad's tough, and you're going to have to make sure he she likes him too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? But going, going back to what you were talking about before, another thing that I think that your children are extremely lucky for is that you're doing self-work and you're being so open about it. Like how many times do people have parents that just pretend like they're perfect all the time? They're just going to fake it and fake it and fake it and fake it. And to be open and to be vulnerable and be like, you know, I, one of my things that I always try to do with my kids is to say, hey, you know what? Mommy was wrong and I'm so sorry. I'm sorry is big. Big. Yeah. Because then they are more likely to do it as well, you know. And, and even if it's about something silly, like literally something so silly that normally I would just ignore. I say, I sit them down I'm like, you know, mommy really shouldn't have done that. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, I think that's a huge thing. And I don't know if that's generational parent to parent. My parents weren't big I'm sorry people. And I, I had an incident the other day with Alec where he wanted to smear the aqua for everywhere. He wants to put it on his lips, but that means everywhere. And so I had taken it away. He got mad. And I w- it was actually a moment Max stopped, observed, and he said, that was a really good mommy moment, Sarah. And I was like, I was like, really? Aww. I did it? Because I sat down and he came back and his little lip is bubbling. And he's like, mama, I just I just wanted to do. And I said, you know what, Alec, I'm sorry. I didn't know that's what you wanted to do. It's just tip- typically that gets really messy and mama didn't want to mess. And he's like, I just wanted it. And I was like, that's okay. We can go get it and we'll do it again. And he's like, okay, mama. And I was like, I didn't notice it was happening. And I stand up and Max is just staring at me like in those rom-coms like I could almost hear the music and I was like you love me don't you he's like no that was just such a cute mommy moment I was like thank you I did it I had a mommy moment so cute no but that self-awareness is like it's I do think it's generational I don't think that this I don't think that people were as comfortable talking about their own emotions much less their experience of parenting and the way that shifted their emotions so I think that our kids are definitely reaping the benefits of us being willing to say and maybe that's why I'm so terrible at saying I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you terrible at saying I'm sorry? Wait, to everyone or to... Now I'm much better. But as a kid, it would be like, 
a standoff of the wills. Oh, like, well, I, I will as a kid, I would apologize. I, I didn't utter those words. <laughs> I, I just learned the word two years ago. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but that's but that is but but exactly that. Like parenting has made me much better at it because I want to model it for my kids. Yeah. And because I want them to see that it's if you hurt someone or you even even accidentally, it's important to let them know that you that you see them, that you recognize that in them, and that you can you can empathize with that, um, and that you feel badly for it. Still working That's on it. Nice. You're doing so well. Doing Do you so want to well. say the words? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. no. um, but but I do think. Look, I also think that it's um, just to just just talking about modeling our behavior for our kids for a second. I think that we, you know, we are gonna. Our kids are growing up in a world where they're having. They just and in the same way that they'll have more of more of us and more of ourselves to access, they're also accessing lots of other people. And I think yeah. that they have. Um, it's really important to sort of set those standards of like, here's how we were talking this earlier today. Here's how our family functions. Here's how our family deals with whatever. And like our family looks different than other families. And mommy's home sometimes and not home other times. Or I, uh, you know, I'm 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 really good at some things. I'm not really good at other things. And I think being open about our shortcomings and also praising of ourselves and the things that we do really well is so important so that our kids start to learn that and and are able to use that as a filter of like how to just make I think about this all the time about how how our kids are going to make sense of their universe and how yeah. different it is than how when, when we grew up in the you know 80s and what it just it's just a completely different time and I think um when I when I think about get, making my kids resilient and adaptable and confident so much of that starts from an emotional awareness and so I think that that's something that like you are representing in such an important way for your kids whether you think you're failing every day or having successes like the aquifer incident like you have to praise yourself because it is so impressive and important that you're giving your kids access to yourself in that really deep way thank you it's really cool it all goes it all goes to being real yeah. The more real we can make it, the I think the, the better that they're going to be. You know, on a on a bit of a lighter um, subject, and, and three year olds, the um, so Rafa's really interested in uh, in accidents, and it was just an accident. Like he'll literally like slug Leo and oh, be like, yeah. "It was just an accident. I didn't mean to." I didn't mean mm. to. And he then talk about mess. He took my lipstick the other day and drew all over my wallpaper. No. Like not even just a wall. No. And then he goes, oops, mommy, it was just an accident. I didn't mean to. I'm like, so you didn't mean to when you went and found the lipstick, opened the lipstick up, rolled it out, and then started to draw on the wallpaper. Just an accident. But what I didn't do was yell, which I thought I was going to because it was very upsetting. So he helped me clean it up. I read this really cool post. Again, I I learn everything on Facebook. Uh, it was about Inuit tribes and how they raise their kids. And one Ooh. of the things it said is, this isn't a statement on discipline, but there is never a need to raise your voice with a child. Now, of course, if they're crossing the street Danger. like or f- they're putting their hand on the stove. But the point was, you can discipline with the same efficacy and actually probably more so mm-hmm. when you never raise your voice because the the our internal ego when we raise our voice mm-hmm. is reacting as an adult to uh, almost an intentional wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. Kids are so often not doing that. So th- you're reacting on a different level than they have. 
calmly saying the same words and telling them and never losing your control shows them how to handle anger better. And I was like, oh, why did my mind just get blown? Because I always go to screaming because mm-hmm. my mom was a screamer. So I jump there with Max. I jump there with the kids. And now Max and I will both look at each other and like, do you see that? I didn't scream. Like, you can hear it. Like, if <laughs> Oh, it's way scarier when you're not screaming. Yeah. You're like, well, and I can so feel funny. myself getting because the new thing Alec does is Sandra is a wobbly little walker and he grabs her shirt and he just pulls her back and she just like falls backwards and I'm like Alec what happened he's like I pushed her down and I'm like Alec like and so you start to grab him or go towards him and then I'm like calm calm use your words articulate go slowly and so I'm like (laughs) it's my new personal growth moment I want to do the same messaging without any of the volume I don't want him to see my anger right and it's difficult but once you start to practice it, and I don't do it 100%, I always say to them, when does mommy yell? Mommy, And they say mommy yells when there's danger. And that actually might be danger when they're hurting each other too. Because yeah. especially with so many boys. I have boys, a loose definition of danger. So, well, well, I mean, I also have boys that are 14 months apart <laughs> and that will literally draw blood sometimes. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then they're like hugging each other and like reading a story together. And then they're like literally one of them bit the other one on the lip and there's like blood, blood, blood. Oh. Mommy, it was just an accident. Didn't mean to. Same thing over and over oh. again. But, um, but, you know, the more that I can stick with that, then it just makes me all powerful. Yeah, because they take You're the like a Buddha. Se- uh huh. Well, I don't know about that, but then they take <laughs> they take this serious. When I am really yelling at them, they, they know, know the difference. They know that there's danger, and they look at it differently. Whereas if I'm yelling all the time, they're just going to be like, "Well, that's, look at me like, okay, mommy, whatever." That's so important though to have that gradient of like, this is serious, mm-hmm. this is less serious, this is, because I do think we escalate really quickly in our house. It's go- yeah. It's like zero to sixty, and it's um. I, I I think it will be I always you you said something like when we first started getting to hang out and stuff you'd said something like I always think about if I was evaluating this behavior a week from now mm-hmm. how would I respond yeah. out of the heat of the moment removing myself emotionally from the frustration of like <gasps> why are you fighting again or whatever it is how would I respond and would I be proud of how I responded yes. and I think that that's just giving yourself it's like you know giving yourself a 30 second rule before you eat something you don't necessarily but want to also, eat my kids call me out on it as well oh, really? so if I don't do it then Carmen one time said to me I was frustrated about her with, and it wasn't even yelling at her I was just being rude Yeah, and she's like mommy why are you talking to me that way? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, Matt, sorry. I and mean, she just checked me. Alec you know? looks and he's like, mommy, don't yell. And sometimes I'm not yelling, but he can sense the intensity it's that it's, I'm fighting it off. Mm-hmm. But I look at him and I'm like, we don't. And I was like, you have to remember, Alec, you're making choices. And sometimes you're not going to like my answer. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean mommy's yelling. Yes. Right. Don't try to trick me, yes. kid. <laughs> Mommy's self growth moment is working. Okay, <laughs> but I think, but look, I also think it's important that they see that you're a human and that yeah. you're going to have. A, you know, I I wouldn't let I felt we've had a bunch of cousins and family in um, over the last couple of weeks, and they are all staying at my grandparents' house, and we obviously live down the road, and I had to take Philomena home at some point. This is a girl who would never come home if I could just if I would just <laughs> leave her with my grandparents and uh, her great grandparents and her sibling and her cousins. I'm sorry, she would just you know see you later <laughs> situation, and she gets in the car and she, I am so mad at you. She's like the most emotionally, she's just, she's, she's a performer. 
She's oh, Pisces. I, I love her. A lot of, Wait, lot of that's performance. Wait, Alex a Pisces. Oh, okay. Well, then you're in for a, a real treat. <laughs> Yay. Um, but it's, and they're, they're so sweet and like wonderful, but they get very emotionally yes. heightened, heated and heightened. But um, in any case, I, it was, I, I said to her, I was like, it's okay. You're allowed to be upset. I ha- still have to take you home because you have to like sleep at home at some point you know, this week. <laughs> um, and, and I had reasons for it. And I, try, I do try to share my reasons. So it's not, I'm not this arbitrary tyrant in their life. Yeah. I have rules that I try to stick with. I try to be consistent for them. And I try to be honest with them when I, you know, if I'm, if I know that I'm on a short fuse, I've had a frustrating day or I just got home from the airport, like whatever it is, I have some reason that I'm not in my normal state of mind. I'll say, I'll say, mommy's really cranky today. Like, I'm so sorry. And just so that they recognize that, because I think the, again, going back to the emotional register, I think kids are aware of these things. They just don't know how to put words to them and they feel it before they can interpret it. And so I always try to just preempt it and well, create some self-awareness some... because by you saying mommy sometimes has days where she's cranky yeah then when they feel it maybe they can wrap their words around it <sighs> yeah. and totally. say i'm and, cranky and to not know why either i mean that you you point out i recently I, I dropped something and i always hate when i get mad if i drop something you know when like everything yes. seems to be like going wrong what, what is Murphy, murphy's law <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. and carmen's like i didn't do it i didn't do it and i said i'm not mad at you right now and she's like who are you mad at and i'm like Oh, the toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of those things I was like, you know what? Sometimes you just feel funny and everything's bothering you. I mean, you know, now everybody knows I was pregnant at, at, at the time. So I was like super, super emotional. And like just everything was just seemed to be like, you know, bumping into everything. And and, you know, I can't tell her that because obviously her with this information, yeah. it's like oh, she's not ready yeah. for that kind no, of thing. No, this no. idea of like, well, that's my sibling and my sibling died. And it's just, it's just, that's not appropriate. Age appropriate. Yeah, yeah, not appropriate. But um, but yeah, no. To be able to it, you know, separate, and they'll say to me sometimes, "Like, mommy, I don't feel good, and I don't know why." And and you know, That's going back to what amazing. you're talking about, you know, giving them these tools to kind of you know navigate their emotions from when they're really little is so important. It's such a gift. Yeah. And teaching them how to take care of themselves in in some as much as possible at age appropriate stages emotionally, which brings me to something we love to talk about on the show, which is me time. So, what is your go to relaxation or thing that you do just for yourself or things that you'll let someone else do for you that just like relax you to the bone well massage is like huge for me i also love yoga Mm. when um there's a moto yoga which is like a hot i love it Mm. and whenever i go i dragged max he had never really done yoga and i was like he loves meditation i'm Mm -hmm. like those two are like intertwined but we went and he said that was that is mind-blowing my whole morale changes when i do yoga I've been bad about it. I know you can do it all the way through pregnancy. I haven't been great about getting the time out of the house to go do it. Yeah. But yo, this hot yoga, it's not hot, hot yoga, but it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a warmer, it's warmer, a warmer yoga. Warmer yoga. It's, it's like in the, I think Balmy. it's in the 90s. <laughs> yes. So it's not like the crazy Bikram. Yeah. Oh it's, it's just toasty. You're going to sweat a little. Um, it's like Florida yoga. <laughs> <laughs> but then that or massage, I'll go sit. There's a little place right across the street. And I typically love to do like any research I'm doing for work, which research is really fun, really, because it's like books and articles that I have to read. And I'm like, oh, unfortunately, I've got to read BuzzFeed. <laughs> so <laughs> I sit there and I get the best foot massages oh, and heaven. I just sit there. And Max, I swear, though, Max, he's never said anything, but he's got to be judging me because almost every day you want to utilize the time while you have childcare until yes. you get home yeah. because I don't want to be on my phone when I get home and I don't want to be reading other things. Mm-hmm. I want to be present. So I take every minute and I'm like, do I have any other calls I have to make? Do I have anything else to do? And so I'll sit there and I'm, he's like, where are you? And 
I know I'm doing homework, but I swear I'm almost embarrassed to say I'm across the street again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my research, and like, it's my husband, and I know he doesn't care, but I still like feel a little judged. See, I think you should feel super amazing because you're multitasking. You're like, I mean, yeah, I'm receiving the pleasure of at once. <laughs> I think it's excellent. I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in a hundred percent on when I'm at work or doing yeah. whatever, and then a hundred percent mom when I get yeah. home, and that. Uh, Re, like reasoning that with myself has allowed me to get rid of a lot, a lot of the mom guilt that I used to yeah. carry around feeling like I should be home when I was at work and like I was missing work stuff when I was at home. Um, so I think that that is just the perfect balance to strike. Okay, I'm going to start <laughs> texting you guys. I'm across the I'm street. Across the street. <laughs> you know what that means. <laughs> what, um, another thing that we ask people to come on is what your favorite thing is. And it might just be, you know, your favorite nail polish, your favorite pair of shoes, your favorite. What are you telling all your girlfriends you about right everybody? now? Um, I feel like any athletic, like athleisure wear, mm. I live in like, oh, I got your leggings. So I had to deep dive the um, unders. The, the wonder under in Lexstream. Okay, so first of all, you look gorgeous in those. And one time, because I follow you on Insta, I kept seeing this legging. And then I saw that, of course, people had asked about it already. So I'm like Googling, where the heck is that? Because I meant to screen grab it. So I had to go looking. And then there's a Lululemon across from it. I went in and I was like, I literally almost was like, I'd like the Alaria Baldwin leggings. <laughs> I wish that they would notice me, to be they quite honest. I, do you know how many, by the way, Lululemon, if you are listening, I'm calling you, you out right now. You deserve kickbacks at this point. Do you know how many leggings I have sold And I've you? recommended them, and I sell them not on the Lululemon. I'm like, they're the ones Alaria Baldwin wears. <laughs> like, it's literally like a costume or a uniform. Wait, are these the shiny ones? No, 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 no. Those the ones one she ones. tucks under the, her heels. Oh, yes. Yeah, they're so, I mean, these ones I was even, because I'm short, so like, I, all my pants are too long for me. But yeah, no, they're, they're Lululemon Wonder under W U N D R. Get it? Okay. Wonder, 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 wonder under. Luxstream. Because if you don't get it in Luxstream, they're not as the same Slimming. effect. Exactly. But even though you're younger than me, I literally treat you like a big sister because I looked at it and I was like, I wear mine under my heel now too. <laughs> because cozy, you always right? have it tucked. And it makes your leg look long. Super long. And then you can tuck them into boots and wear them out to dinner. I've done everything you described. <laughs> I love it. Because you answered once in an interview and you're like, I've gone red carpet too. And I was like, oh girl, I know. I follow you. <laughs> so I started wearing them for everything. And those are like probably... Probably my favorite thing. There, I have like. Um, many, Do they fit many a belly now? They... Yeah. Well, I I have actually not really gone into any special clothes. I just make my clothes stretch to me. Or you you can just buy what I do is I'll buy the next size. Yeah. Um, I don't like then... to do that. That number gets big. <laughs> but you, you can get the, well. The problem is then if you do that, then you stretch out your regular ones because the first time around, I'd I rather did stretch that. out and keep on that lower number. <laughs> no, um, I, I can't looked, be alone on this. I, I just <laughs> clip the one off in front the, of the other number. These are a size two. Are Nobody has to know. <laughs> the problem is I'm the only one that cares, so I'm not clipping that. Yeah, you spend a lot of time worrying. Got the rip out tag. No one will know. I just rip the tag. But those are the best, right? Because I it's the mix of feeling so comfortable but feeling like a little myself Contained. like a little sexy at times mm -hmm. it's like there i'm not i don't always love the way i look but max is always like you look so great in those i was like my Ilaria baldwin <laughs> <laughs> oh can i tell you one funny story okay okay so 
I have always I thought well I've known you and I've I've met you a couple times but you know you're I love your yoga moves and so your little updates and then I love seeing which kids crash your videos and stuff <laughs> so one day I'm sitting in bed and I was pregnant this time and I just felt disgusting and and Max always reassures me he's like you're pregnant I was like not everyone looks this way I was like look at Alaria and I uh. showed a picture and he goes Oh damn! I need to follow her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's really sweet. But then we'll have like Alec, at, and I mean, like, we get like super, super like graphic here. And at the end of my pregnancy, sometimes he's just like, oh, "You're just getting to, like." I just like don't. I'm kind of afraid of you right now, like because I'm like so big. I'm like, excuse me, you got me this yeah, way hello. yes and you, get, you like, did this to ha- me yeah exactly and then and then things turn around because then Thank I goodness just John has not said that to me because I'm fairly certain he would have ended up with some kind of like again I'm not very good at sorry I'm also not very good at containing aggression I feel like I would have just attacked <laughs> both parts I could have just sat on him woman. and it would have been you know well, game over always talks about pregnancy body he's like you know women look their best and he goes but then there's a point you cross over I was like are you talking about the belly and he's like well it's not the baby we love it's like the and I was like there's the something boobs? in between us like are you described because he uses his hands with two <laughs> like this and he does all this stuff and I'm like that has nothing to do with the baby and like he it's always that so when he looked at your picture though I laughed so hard because I was like I'm feeling insecure I'd rather you not follow her right now <laughs> can we wait till tomorrow to follow Laria well, he, can, he can talk to my Alec he can talk to uh, oh my, my Alec gosh. and maybe my Alec will like you know but I told that, that story the next day not on air but behind the scenes because I was laughing so hard I was like Max and I are so honest with each other sometimes that I was like sweetie this is a sen- like I'm a sensitive right now so I'm not on board with what you're doing here but it was so funny because he couldn't clip Instagram fast enough. He was like, I know he's following you. Well, he's definitely one of the 14% men who follow me. Uh, yes, oh by the way. Goodness. I'm going to have to go only with a different percentage. Oh my God. Your videos are hot. Yeah. Well, I, well, I, I'm, I'm shocked telling that you, it's 14. I, 14. I would think no, like I 50% men. I don't believe you know what? When we're off, I'm going to The rest have lady phone. handles, but they're Four. really... <laughs> Mrs. David yeah, Colbert. A, a picture of their wives. <laughs> Better than the cat. If it was the cat picture, I'd be more concerned. Well, this is making me feel better because Alec is always like, you know, there's there's like a, a there's a person between you and me right now. I'm feeling awkward about it. Do you think the baby can hear anything? I'm like, no. Oh, I love how men never get over that. Do you think they know? <laughs> What, that you're knocking on their front door? Like, what are we talking about? But the the funny thing is, Max cared more the first time. He was like, you know how, like, they're like, I don't know what to do with this and, like, what's happening. And I'm like, dude, do you really think if you were not, like, you were hitting the baby that they would advise to do this? But then it's funny because, like, the second time he was like, I know the math. You're going to have a baby six weeks until you have your postpartum then you're breastfeeding right. which turns these off completely so everything changes I think I'll just tap in now. yeah I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna get this situation I'm just gonna in close now. my eyes and not worry about it <laughs> see no that with the breastfeeding thing that's where you know that's where my husband goes crazy because all of a sudden I have like a size like Z does that exist yeah, yeah but the, the, the universe's joke on men is the more desirable you become oh, the more it's... you're like Get away from me. But you know what? And these are working teats right now, so don't you dare touch them with your hands. It, like, you just the spray only- them. Yes. Oh, my, oh, my God. That, uh, so, shockingly, that's not a turnoff, by the way. Like, like, just saying. Um, they're not like cats or dogs. You're like, don't scratch. Um, I oh, Shoot, now I totally forgot. I was thinking about you guys. We squirt, just interrupted squirt her brilliant. I did. I had a squirt brilliant idea. Damn it. Oh, whatever. 
I still think that that is the only justice in the universe is that you are totally desirable and totally off limits <laughs> because all the other painful parts about pregnancy are the woman's to bear. This yeah. is their one sacrifice. You're right. It's the one cross to bear is I want to touch you so bad, but I would never dare do it. <laughs> I know better. <laughs> oh my gosh, Sarah, you're hilarious! Oh, Don't ever leave us. I know. I know. He it's keeps funny. on waving to us. I know. Um, Cal's like, oh, Cal's what you're doing? I thought he was like, hey, no. tell us more breastfeeding <laughs> stories. They're amazing. <laughs> So that was Sarah Haynes and we have been cackling and crying <laughs> and just having a ball with her. And it's, it's, you know, it's always interesting to me at some point in your life, you've probably seen Sarah on some screen. She's been on today. Good morning, America, the view now, of course, on Strahan and Sarah every day. And she um, has this wonderful ability to feel like such a dear friend. She and I have known each other for many years. We always, we didn't even talk about this today, but it was hilarious because for the longest time people thought we were the same person. <laughs> which is kind of wild because we've also been pregnant at the same time for a lot of our most recent babies. And we do look quite alike, so much so that we actually did a cook-off when I was at The Chew and she was at The View where we were paired up together on like team twins or something. I don't know. It was very interesting. But all that to say, I feel like even though she's a, a, has been a friend for a number of years, but but you know, one that that I, you know, that I feel so close to from almost from a distance. I think that's her unique gift because she is so open to sharing. She is so um, genuine in her conversations. And I think she also is so willing to like learn from her own life experience and from people around her. Uh, and I, I really respected her um, her take on like, I want to be able to give the best version of myself to my kids and I want to be aware of my own limits. I think we have this whole conversation right now around super women and around this idea that women can do anything we want and we can be everything to everyone. And on the one hand, for some women, that is like the greatest aspiration imaginable. And for for many people, it's it's overwhelming and it's exhausting. And who's to say that, that being able to do everything is worth it if you're not enjoying any of it? And I think that was a really powerful message for her to bring home, um, you know, for for. For women who want to juggle career and motherhood or just motherhood in general and be able to do it in a way that still makes them very happy. Life uh, life should be enjoyable, you know, live live every single moment. And, you know, the moment that we become mothers isn't time for our life to stop. You know, yes, we do have to give wholeheartedly, but um, but every single day is a blessing. So so make it count. Now it's time for our favorite thing. Yes. Now it's time for our favorite things. So this week, um, I want to talk about a mommy necklace that I wear a lot mm. um, that is from Posh Mommy. And I love it because um, anything with my children's names on, I immediately think is sacred. I'm sure that all of you feel exactly <laughs> the same. Um, and so it's this bar that I that you'll often see me wear. And, and, and just very simply, it says Carmen, Rafael, Leonardo, and Romeo and has little hearts in between um, each one. I made a grandmother's necklace for my mother. Um, and there's a lot of different... I, I know that there's a lot of mommy necklaces out there, but I, I love the woman who... Um, who started it, and, and um, it's just, I think it's very simple, very classic, and I rarely, rarely, rarely take it off. I love that. Um, yeah, personalization is a big thing mm -hmm. um, for, for mom gear. Um, 
I I have this Maya Brenner necklace that just has the kids' initials because mm. my kid, my children have really long names. I feel like well, I have like a six too. inch my, bar. <laughs> my bar is really like, this really chain that I yeah, wear no. that has all their names. Once on I it. once I named one Leonardo, I was done. Yeah, you could have gone just Leo for I that know. for the name Love for the name Leonardo. <laughs> Leonardo. Um, so I wanted to talk about. A snack bar that I've really, you know, I'm on airplanes a decent amount of the time. One thing that I've really committed to in this pregnancy, but also just for my own general sense of like health and and normalcy, is I really try to pack snacks and bring them with me so I'm not trapped buying whatever's at the airport. And every once in a while, I will buy the bag of Doritos because I'm just like, I deserve this and I, you know, whatever. But but a lot, but really, I mean, truly, like 90% of the time, I try to crowd it out with things that I brought from home that I can be assured are, are good for me and clean and um, and are not forcing me to make a bad choice just out of desperation. So anyway, I love these bars. They're called Rowdy Bars. Um the chocolate coconut cashew is my favorite flavor. Mm. It's really yummy. And I'll tell you why I really like this bar. So it's um it's sweetened with yacone syrup, which is I think an ingredient we're going to start to see a, start to see a lot more of. It is a sweetener, but it's also a prebiotic. It's high fiber. It's um it is it's it's it fuels your basically it fuels your gut's ability and the bacteria in your gut's ability to thrive, which we know is so important for overall gut health. Um, we've talked a lot about probiotics, but prebiotics are what actually allow them to take root and to be effective. So um, anyway, Yukon syrup, I'm obsessed with it. It has a really low glycemic index, which means it doesn't spike your blood sugar because a lot of the protein bars, quote unquote, or, or they're kind of just glorified candy bars mm-hmm. on the market. You're hungry again yes. an hour later. Yeah. So these rowdy bars have a lot of nuts and fruit in them. But they're um, they're not too sweet, which I love. I, I don't feel like I've eaten a candy bar, and I'm and I'm unsatisfied for a couple hours after I eat them. So, I especially now being pregnant because I feel like I'm always at the like on the verge of a craving or on the verge of being absolutely starving because you know it goes from zero to 60 yes. where you're like you know i'm need not hungry to eat at all but right I now need and to if eat i right don't now. eat right now I will the world is over done done <laughs> um so it's really it's my it's my like go-to energy oh, source to easy snack to have my i'm bag. definitely gonna go and, and and order some they are really tasty well, thanks, guys, for listening. Don't forget to uh, please rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, at MomBrain. Um, we now are on YouTube, so check out our YouTube channel, MomBrain. And continue, please, to email us, MomBrainPod at gmail.com. If you love the show, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share. Spread the word. Tell people about it. You know, this really is our, our mama tribe, and we're sticking all together. So help us to grow our community. And I really feel like this kind of sharing and talking and laughing is so therapeutic and really, really brings us all together. We're all in this together. Until next time. Bye, Bye, guys. Thank you. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group original production.